We are at the end of Feast Week, and Andy Patton and I are full on turkey, or in my case, Cornish game hens, I don't know, and all the college basketball we could possibly ingest. What have we learned, and what on earth is our new waist size? You are Locked On College Basketball, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, what's up? Welcome into the Locked On College Basketball Podcast, the only daily national coop show out there. We are your host, that's Andy Patton. I'm Isaac Shade, and boy, we uh, are coming to you on Friday evening, actually. We wanted to wait till a lot of the Feast Week action was over so that we could get you the most up-to-date uh, content available. This episode, by the way, is brought to you by game time download the game time app create an account and use code locked on college for twenty dollars off your first purchase listen i just got home from my thanksgiving travels andy is coming to us from a trailer where he's getting away from a household of 19 other people and he's on his knees on a dog bed so andy we applaud your dedication my man but also folks if andy should uh glitch out at any point we'll keep on rocking and he'll eventually get back in um, so coming up today on the show, we're going to give you our biggest takeaways from Maui, from the Battle for Atlantis, the two biggest MTEs this week, but then a whole six pack of other things that we thought were critically important in the college basketball landscape. Obviously, we cannot get to everything that happened, but if you want to talk about everything that happened with us, come join our Discord, which is free. We're having great college basketball conversation all the time. The link to that is in the show notes. Andy, let's get right into our takeaways about Maui. And so folks, we're just going to give you kind of a big general overview and what we think are the most important storylines coming out of this event. Andy, I've talked way too long enough already. Why don't you kick us off with what is a no-brainer biggest takeaway from Maui? Yeah, I think we always knew that the, the team that won the Maui Invitational was probably going to start next week as the number one team in the country. And that team is the Purdue Boilermakers. And they, in my mind, unquestionably, without a doubt, deserve to be the number one team in the country. Part of that is because I had them ranked number one the last three weeks that we have oh, done our top oh, 24. Oh, good for you, Andy. Way to go. <laughs> Happy to see them get that that uh, nom here. Uh, assuming the AP poll comes through with that, I don't know how they couldn't at this point, honestly. Purdue looked fantastic in this tournament. Beat Gonzaga, beat a very good Tennessee team, withstood a, a, a really tough run from a very, very good Marquette team, which we will talk about momentarily. To me, Zach Eady is one of the most impactful single college basketball players on a team that I have almost ever seen in my lifetime. I mean, I don't necessarily mean he's like the best, but in terms of the actual impact mm -hmm. he has mm -hmm. on the game, it is mm -hmm. tremendous because of his ability to impact the game on offense and on defense, because of his ability to get rebounds, it allows those guards to be, you know, to take more shots, knowing they might get the offensive board. He wears down opposing teams, big men. I mean, Gonzaga threw four quality bigs at him and just, it didn't <laughs> matter. It didn't matter. Tennessee has a great defense. It didn't matter. Zach Eady posted 20 plus points, 10 plus boards in all three of these games. It looked like the dude barely broke a sweat. I mean, this guy is, if he's playing like this, I know we've seen teams defeat Purdue in the past with Zach Eady playing well. I, it is obviously doable. Fairly Dickinson did it last year, but the way he is playing to start the season, the way those sophomore guards have developed, the That's impact right. Lance Jones has had on that team, this Purdue team, I'm not going to say they look unbeatable, but it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot to take this team down. The first player I thought of when you said that was Zion Williamson. Yeah, me too. Um, but 
he had such a, a much bigger collection of talent around him, mm-hmm. and yet he still stood out at that level. That would probably yeah. be my answer to your question. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, it 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 is ridiculous how much he stands out and to withstand all the the digging and nagging and it, mm-hmm. all that attention and to still come away from this thing with the victory. Wow, Purdue, great, great job. Their shooting came around well uh, in that second game. Andy, let's go to the team they beat in the championship game because I'm probably going to move Marquette up to number two. I don't know where you'll have them and where Leaf will have them. We'll find out early next week. But here, hand up. This is one of those, you know, our our preseason things are always wrong at some level. I, I was too low on Marquette. I mean, I had them like ninth, I think. But it's just like they, they man, they're – relentless attack i i don't feel like i ever saw like shaka smart vcu havoc version as much (laughs) at texas or maybe last year but goodness um the way they did that this week andy was really really impressive to me what they did to you know obviously you're not going to stop hunter dickinson for example but what they did to contain him was really really good um only kept kansas to like 28 first half points um what Andy, what what did you catch from Marquette that impresses you so much about them? Yeah, I think we always knew that this is a team that had a, a really consistent offense. Their ball movement is incredibly fluid. It's one of those things that I, there are very few teams in the country that move the ball as effortlessly and kind of in sync as Marquette. You know, Gonzaga historically has been that team. They're not quite there this year. Arizona, I think, can be that kind of team. This personnel is a little different for it this year, but Marquette. I mean, they just they move the ball so well and smoothly. But what has really impressed me about Shaka Smart's team this year is that yeah, that chaotic defense. Uh, the defense last year was a, was an issue for them, and it cost them that win in the NCAA tournament against Tom Izzo and Michigan State. And and this version of uh, pretty much the, the same roster for Marquette, it wasn't a lot of changes for them. And you kind of expect with Prosper out the door that defense might take a hit. But I'm not sure if Shaka implemented some new things or if there's just a lot of energy with this group. But man, they. They looked really good on both ends of the floor. And, and you're right. I think I had them in the 7-8 range. I can't remember exactly where I had them. But, yeah, they're either second or third for me. I got a debate between them and Arizona who have, have not done anything to drop in the rankings either. But this Marquette team is 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 really dangerous the way they're playing right now. Man, I love watching Oso just kind of start to yeah. take over this team he's and, and the things he's doing. Uh, I, I loved how they recover. Like when they have to help on defense, man, th- their ability to get back. It's just so impressive. Andy, uh, you know, it was funny because at just about any other tournament ever, UCLA and Gonzaga would kind of be the headliners, but they're probably teams five and six, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, in some order coming into this thing of the eight teams in the field. And that's to say nothing of UCLA and Gonzaga. That's to say everything of how deep this field is. But Andy, I think you and I are both at the same point right now where, we see that UCLA and Gonzaga are working to get things figured out. Mm-hmm. We see that, you know, obviously they lost a bunch last year, but we think that the pieces they have are going to be great and is going to lead to a good sum of the parts, but it might take a little time to fully get there. Is that an accurate statement for where you think you're at on them right now? Both teams with really young depth. Uh, Gonzaga yeah. has limited depth in part because of the preseason injury to Steel Venters, which hurt them in a way that, uh, you know, they already kind of didn't have a ton of depth coming in. Um, these Both these teams are playing a lot of freshmen off the bench. UCLA started a Daymara in this game, but he is playing limited minutes early. Uh, Burke B, I think, was playing his second or third game. He's he's a fantastic young player for the Bruins, but they're still putting all the pieces together. I think both these teams are going to be better 
in February and March than they are right now. I also think that for people who did stay up and watch this game, it was sloppy and it was sloppy for a handful of reasons. I think the biggest reason was that both these teams were playing their third consecutive game on back-to-back days. You saw a lot of fouls and I mean, a lot of fouls, more fouls than I remember seeing in a college basketball game in a really, really long time. I felt for my East Coast friends who were watching this game. It started at midnight and it lasted two and a half hours because of all of the foul calls. But uh, Adem Bona, Graham Ek are both tremendous yes. low post talents. They both got so in the I, it's, oh, it's so great to see him healthy. Yep. Yep. Both guys didn't play their best in this game because of that foul trouble, but watching them go at each other was a, a literal clash of the Titans. Uh, and then we got to give a shout out to Anton Watson. Career high 32 points on 14 of 15 shooting in this game. He missed one shot. He missed three free throws. That's kind of part of the course uh, with Anton Watson, but three for three from the three-point line, 14 of 15 from the field. If he's playing like that or even close to that, this Gonzaga team is going to be really tough. Yeah, and I think, like, for example, UCLA, that lead they had on Marquette, which, by the way, had they won that game, we'd be in a completely different space yep. right now, right? Like, Very uh, different. what we're talking about. But um, I think if this was late January, early February, UCLA would have held on to beat Marquette in that opening mm-hmm. round game of Maui, which is so funny how that would have changed the tenor of this whole thing. But uh, that just, again, goes to speak to the depth of this field. Um, Andy, fourth uh, takeaway for us is that Kansas, you know, just, again, got bettered by a really feisty Marquette team in the second game. But I was so impressed with how they rebounded to beat an equally tough Tennessee team who, you Mm -hmm. know, just digs and dogs at you. Uh, We know how good the the defense and the intensity is from Rick Barnes' teams. So I was, while, you know, it's like it says something that Marquette beat Kansas, I thought it said something even more important to me about uh, Kansas's tenacity to then rebound and beat Tennessee the next day. Yeah, really incredible stuff from Kansas. That's a, that's a talented team. They still got some pieces to figure out. I think the outside shooting, the wing scoring is an area that they're maybe strained a little bit more. I think part of that might be the uh, absence of Arterial Morris. I think they may have relied upon him a little bit more than maybe we thought that they were going to rely on him. But uh, this is a team that, that's absolutely going to put it together and I think have a, a really, really strong season. But no shame in losing to Purdue and Tennessee, two incredibly talented teams. And uh, I, I think, um, or sorry, no no shame for Kansas in um, in losing to Marquette and of course beating sure. Tennessee. That's a, that's a tremendous game for them. And I think the Jayhawks are, you know, we a lot of people had them number one one number two i'll probably drop them in the five to ten range somewhere in there but uh, that's more a product of how many good teams there are in this in this uh in this league right now than than an indictment on them yeah i love it and and we haven't even talked about tennessee who finishes mm-hmm. one and two but their losses are to marquette yeah. and purdue like I, I said it on thursday show you just can't drop them too far and we'd be remiss if we moved on past the maui invitational without um just continuing to send out thoughts to sure. uh the good people of maui as they continue to rebuild so glad we were able to still have this event on one of the islands of Hawaii. Great that it was able to go to Honolulu. Great stuff there. And uh, Andy, I'm going to Maui next summer. And so I'm excited to see how things have progressed just on a holiday. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Isaac, we needed to see something from Villanova at the battle for Atlantis. We talked about that coming into Atlantis. Is Kyle Neptune's squad going to show us something after that loss to Penn? They made it very clear. They are still an absolute force to be reckoned with, not only in the Big East, but in all of college basketball, huge performance from them. We're going to wrap that up and everything else going on in the battle for Atlantis. But first, I want to tell you all about today's sponsor, eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. That's what brings home the winning trophy, and it's also what helps keep your ride or die alive. 
eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you are into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. And with over 122 million parts to choose from for your ride or die, you will always be you will always find exactly what you're looking for. Plus, with eBay's guaranteed fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time, or you get your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply, and eBay's guaranteed fit is only available to U.S. customers. Isaac, from Maui, to Atlantis, a tournament any other year would be the big, big, big headliner. But of course, that Maui Invitational was so unbelievably stacked. Five top 11 teams, incredible stuff at Maui. But we saw some really fantastic stuff in that battle for Atlantis as well. Some really, really fun teams, some fun performances. And we're going to do the same thing we did with Maui. We're going to do four key things that we took away from this tournament. We're going to start with Villanova because Villanova, A, is 9-0 all-time in the Battle for Atlantis. They have legitimately never lost in the Battle for Atlantis yeah, tournament. So three appearances, three victories, zero losses. Really nice stuff from Kyle Neptune's squad this year. And again, since they lost to Penn, and we started to hit the panic button a little bit on this Villanova team, they have four victories all over Power 5 teams. One of them was Maryland, who admittedly has not looked very good this year. One was a, a solid, undefeated at the time, Texas Tech team that I don't think anybody really wants to play because of that defense that they have. And then the other two Who's were beating Michigan North right now, by the way. Yeah, and they're beating Michigan right now. And then the other two were, of course, North Carolina and Memphis for the championship. That Memphis victory looked quite easy for Villanova. They went out and absolutely manhandled Penny Hardaway's Tigers. Uh, really, really nice stuff from Villanova. And I think a team that we probably had properly rated at first and, and our, our hesitation about them is, is completely gone, at least for me. Yeah. Oh, gone for me as well. You know, one of the, it's so interesting uh, to watch them play. And um, for example, they, they don't really share the ball a ton. They had just mm -hmm. like five assists against Carolina, but a lot of that is what they do is Kyle Neptune just isolates whatever um, mm -hmm. mismatch he can find and lets dudes go to work in the post. Uh, like guards on up to fives like it doesn't matter wherever it is they're doing it and so um like eric dixon had a day against north carolina who had no answers for that dude and there's not many teams in the nation that are going to have answers for him uh justin moore is obviously back and healthy and doing it he's great in that post as well and so uh villanova is going to be one of these teams that will play in some nba style offensive ways and force you to stop them. And until you do, they're just going to keep running it down your back. Well, Isaac, I also want to talk about Arkansas. We're going to get to Carolina. We're going to get to that. You know, obviously Villanova beating Carolina was not an unexpected result, but we'll certainly talk about what that means for the Tar Heels. But Arkansas is a team that we've talked about quite a bit on this podcast, and we have certainly had some conversations uh, or people communicating with us in the YouTube comments, especially after how we ranked them uh, following their <laughs> preseason <laughs> exhibition victory over Purdue. But the the, base, the simple fact about Arkansas right now is they have a lot of talent and they just don't have a lot of team cohesion. The offense looks disjointed and it looks just like these guys haven't played together, which they haven't. There are a lot of teams in college basketball who have a huge collection of players who haven't played together, but Arkansas seems to just 
have not quite put all of those pieces together. It's a lot of isolation basketball. It's not a lot of ball distribution, not a lot of finding matchups. It's a lot of Tremont Mark and uh, <laughs> Jeremiah Davenport and Khalif Battle just going to the basket and, and trying to score that way. And these dudes are tremendous athletes. They're one of the most athletic teams in the entire country, but it hasn't resulted in a lot of wins. They didn't look great against Stanford. They did not look good against Memphis. They looked okay at times against North Carolina, mostly by at times, I mean, when Tremont Mark had the ball because he had a tremendous performance, of course. Uh, it ended, unfortunately, with him falling, uh, taking a really hard fall on his back. Very, very scary to watch. He ended up getting carted off on a stretcher. Our reports after the game were that is a back injury, not a head or a neck injury. So we hope that that is good for him long-term, although we still don't really know what that means for him in the short term. Uh, I think Arkansas is going to be better later in the year. I think that as they get these pieces together, they had to replace their entire guard rotation. That's really difficult to do. All four of those guards went to the NBA. Uh, and I think they got the right pieces. I think they got a lot of talent. I'm still a little concerned about their front court, but right now the issue is less about the front court and more just finding out how these pieces fit together. And so far it just doesn't look like they're they're at that spot yet. Yeah, and like in their uh, like L. Ellis isn't really doing much. That yeah. that's weird to me. He's been I, really like, quiet. And I don't know if it's just like he's got to figure out who he is on a team full of uh, of guards. But you know, like zero points on zero of three shooting against North Carolina. Mm. Uh, Debo Davis zero points against North. Like I just all of that kind of stuff is a bewilderment to me, Andy. And and it kind of stinks, honestly. Like you just don't want to see that from. Guys, you've seen it at a really high level. Let's move on to Memphis. Um, because coming into Battle for Atlantis, we had talked about Memphis, Michigan. Both these teams are ascendant. Stinks that they have to play on the first day because, man, we love what they're both doing. Memphis wins that game. Um, and then uh, Memphis just keeps winning. And then, you know, as you said, they got basically the doors beat off of them by Villanova. Um, but um, I like really really impressed by um, a talented and experienced, I think is an important word to be able to say yeah. about Memphis squad um, to get into this championship game. How about David Jones, man? Uh, this dude is just absolutely killing it. Had 36 against Arkansas, averaged mm -hmm. 18 points and six or closer to 19 points and six boards um, in, in Atlantis for the tournament. So yeah. uh, really impressed. And I, we've said it before and we'll talk about FAU later in the show, but, I think the uh, AAC might not be as much of a one-horse uh, show as we thought it was. Yeah, two two really good teams uh, coming out of the AAC right now. We'll talk about FAU a little bit later, but Memphis certainly looks like the part of a top 25 yeah. team, I think. If they played Villanova a little closer, it'd probably be a bit more of a no-brainer, but uh, the way that that game went, I think there might be some people who are hesitant to rank them, but the way David Jones is playing, the way Javon Quinterly is playing at point guard for them, uh, I think this is a, a team that, again, it, they got a lot of new pieces. They're putting them together in a really good way. I, I think this is a team that's going to be really dangerous uh, as the season goes on. Yeah, as in, let's one, round it up. Go ahead. Sorry, one of the things I just forgot to say about Arkansas is they should have lost to Stanford in the opening round game. Like mm -hmm. they, you know, they they lose to Memphis, they lose to Carolina, and really should have lost to Stanford. So yeah. ah man, I'm curious to see. Keep in mind their next game, they host Duke in the inaugural ACC SEC challenge yeah. on Wednesday night. Andy, I'm sorry, I cut you off. 
No, that's that is a great point about about the where the hogs are right now. Uh, let's talk about the Tar Heels, Isaac. Uh, they obviously did not win the battle for Atlantis. They they took that loss to Villanova, rebounded with a win over Arkansas in the third place game. Uh, again, Tremont Mark did everything he could to get a win for the Hogs, but R.J. Nice. Davis looked absolutely incredible in this game for Carolina. He had thirty points, I believe. Uh, really, really nice performance from him. Uh, what else have you seen from the Heels that is kind of and how are you feeling about them? We kind of went into this tournament thinking both Villanova and North Carolina kind of want to avenge last year's uh, not so good feast week. And obviously Villanova did more to do that than North Carolina, but it's hard to feel too, too bad about North Carolina at this point, at least in my opinion. Yeah, exactly. You know, there's a whole bunch of things we could say about Carolina, but it's funny. They had kind of a similar trajectory through that um, MTE as they did last feast week. And the la- they lost their third game in that f- epic four overtime loss That's to Alabama, right. um, and and so it, I think it was a big time thing for them to be able to avenge that by beating Arkansas. Um, but one of the p- perhaps the biggest revelation for North Carolina right now is Harrison Ingram, who they've yeah. really found something with. He's uh, facilitating at a high level, rebounding at a high level, scoring at a high level. It was like four assists shy of a triple double on uh, Friday in the third place game. And what's interesting about that, though, is that Armando Baycott didn't really do Armando Baycott things at all in Atlantis. No, no double doubles at all registered. And so uh, just going to keep we'll keep eyes on that to see what happens going forward with the Tar Heels, who, by the way, play Tennessee in that same ACC SEC challenge on Wednesday. So uh, we're going to continue learning a lot about these uh, high level teams in the post Turkey Week uh, content. So, Andy. We got to get to our six pack. Lots of other stuff going on this week around the nation. Um, Arizona has beaten now Duke and Michigan State this season. Are they cemented as the second best team? Is it Marquette? I don't know, but we're going to discuss it along with five other takeaways and something else I just realized is happening in real time right now, right after we tell you about game time. College basketball season is here, and you're going to need last minute tickets to some incredible sporting action. I know that at game time, they're going to have incredible seats at good prices and that you're going to be able to see what the view looks like from your seats. Why I love game time because I never have to worry about a blind spot. I can always make sure what the view is going to be. It's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for any event you're looking for. Football, basketball, music, comedy, theater, you name it, they've got it. And in addition to that view from your seat feature, I really like their low price guarantee and event cancellation feature. So take the guesswork out of buying tickets with Game Time. Download their app, create an account, and use code Locked On College for twenty dollars off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code Locked On College for twenty dollars off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Andy, we got a six pack for everyone. We are going to start with Arizona and Michigan State, but really quick in real time. Ohio State right now is up 59 to 50 on number 17, Alabama. We're looking at 12 minutes left. They're about to go to the under 12 media timeout. Obviously, that game won't end before we're done recording, but uh, would be a massive win for the Buckeyes to knock this one off. So check that out. It's on CBS Sports. You're not going to check it out because this is already finished by the time you're listening to this. Andy, we're not live. What am I doing? Uh, All right. Arizona and Michigan State. This is, you know, we got all the MTEs, but this is the key game of Thanksgiving Day. Arizona wins 74 to 68. Michigan State's now three and three. Kind of hard to believe we'd be there. Arizona just got all these pieces. And the guy that was the dude against Michigan State was Caleb Love. We just talked about North Carolina. He transferred over from there. 
Um, and so, Andy, for this Arizona team, I mean, we, we look at all these teams at the top of the heap right now. There's so many good teams in college basketball all around our country. Yeah, it's crazy to me that like I, I'm probably going to have Houston fourth or fifth, and I feel like they're a top three team, but I I, I don't know how to put them in the top three with the with the way that some of these MDs have shaken out. Uh, some really incredible performances. One of the things I love about Arizona, in particular with the Caleb Love situation, is that, and we've talked about this before on the show, they don't need Caleb Love to he doesn't have to have a good game for them to win. And I think that that was something that was that was more difficult for him at North Carolina. When he struggled, it felt like that kind of threw the team off a little bit more than it seems to be doing uh, with this Arizona team, in part because of Keelan Boswell's performances, in part because they, you know, I mean, Umar Bala was fantastic. Keyshawn Johnson has played just incredible in the front court for them. But it's, it's sure nice for them when Caleb Love does do what we know Caleb Love is capable of doing. Like, as much as I don't think they typically need him to win, they probably needed him to beat Michigan State. And that is what happened here. He had a monster performance. Tommy Lloyd, third-year head coach coach going on the road to beat Duke going out and beating Michigan State like he is proving that he is capable of, of being on this big stage of winning basketball games on this big stage he has the personnel that he likes the personnel that works with his offense we're seeing this team improve defensively which was a knock on them before I don't know I know a lot of people are thinking oh Arizona they flame out early in the NCAA tournament but this this team looks like there's there's a very real chance they're going to be in that final four competing for a for a national championship. We'll see how how Gonzaga fans feel if they see Tommy Lloyd in that final four uh, after spending 20 years on the sideline with Mark Few. But man, this this team is is very very good. Because that's what we say about every team until they eventually make it. At some point, yep. the law of averages says you got to break through. Yep. All right, Andy, FAU. It's kind of a Villanova situation. They lost to Bryant. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, they beat Butler. Great. Love that. But then they followed that up on Friday morning, Friday morning, Andy, it was early with a huge win over Texas A&M, who was 12th in the nation. Andy, they scored 96 points on this team. That's a top 50 defense. Um, and, uh, for FAU, I think this win over A&M is more notable than their loss to Bryant. Is that a fair yeah. characterization? 100%. Their offense completely disappeared against Bryant. And and I don't think you have you ignore that, certainly. Uh, 52 points against a team that was 220th, I think, in Ken Palm, somewhere in that range uh, at, the, at the time. I, I'm just not that concerned about it, especially when they go out and put 91 points against Butler. And, and Butler's not great by any stretch, but they're better than Bryant. And then they go hang 96 on AM, a team who, like you said, was in the top 50 in Ken Palm. I suspect they have fallen <laughs> after giving up 96 points to the Owls. But this team, when they're cooking, I, I think they're a, an absolutely fantastic team. And I love seeing these mid-major teams kind of push aside that narrative that one big run kind of ends it, you know, Wichita State in 2013, they end up going all the way uh, to, they have a tremendous year after they go to the final four. Uh, it happens sometimes. They're not all flashes in the pan and, and, and this FAU team returns just about everybody. And I think this is going to be a, a really fantastic uh, team throughout the year. And like we talked about earlier with Memphis, FAU, Memphis, top of the AAC, that's two really, really good teams. And I'd be stunned at this point. And I've been stunned before, but I would be <laughs> stunned at this point if there's not two bids coming out of the AAC this year. Yeah. Uh, by the way, they're down to 99th in defense again. <laughs> Holy wow. cow, that's a drop. By the way, for Texas A&M, uh, injury to Henry Coleman, uh, that, that could be a tough loss if he's going to miss much time. So uh, we'll, we'll have to uh, keep our eyes on Mr. Coleman's injury. Andy. Take us to number three. 
Colorado State with a massive upset victory over Creighton. 69 to 48. 48 points for what I think is one of the most prolific offenses in college basketball in the Blue Jays. There is definitely a lot to be said about Creighton. We may have to get to that on another time, but I want to highlight Colorado State because I think a lot of people are going to focus on the Creighton side of things here. This Colorado State team is now 25th at Ken Palm. They are 6-0 in the country. They have the 19th ranked offense at Ken Palm right now. Isaiah Stevens coming in as a mid-major darling, a potential All-American candidate, 20 points, 7 assists, 6 boards against the Blue Jays. This is a team that is dangerous. And the way San Diego State's playing right now, I would not be shocked if Colorado State is your auto bid coming out of the, the Mountain West because they look the legit legit. Andy, absolutely they do. Uh, how about this? UConn beats Manhattan 90-60 to 60 on Friday. That itself was not notable other than two specific reasons. Tristan Newton recorded his third career triple-double in the game, 15 points, 10 boards, 13 assists. It is the most uh for any husky in program history but also yukon themselves set a record 23rd straight win over a non-conference foe by double figures which ties a record set by north carolina from 2008 to 2010 so uh we'll have to be keeping our eyes on if yukon can keep that going really really fun game between baylor and florida and the nit season tip-off final 95 91 for the bears who says college basketball games aren't always like the nba that is a huge score between two really really good teams ray j dennis who i don't think has reached his final form with the baylor bears he went out and had 24 fantastic to get that from him especially with jacoby walter being a freshman who's occasionally going to have freshman games you want another guard who can step up they absolutely have that in dennis 23 from bridges but i really like this florida team as well their only losses to virginia they blasted Florida State. They beat Pitt, who I think is a really good team as well. They beat him by 15 points. Couldn't pull off the upset here over Baylor, but I'm still a big believer in Todd Golden's team. I think this game sets, shows a lot about how good Florida and the Gators are, and it shows even more about how dangerous this top 10, top 15 caliber program is in Baylor. Andy, it might be time, speaking of Big 12 schools, for us to take Oklahoma seriously? What? <laughs> yes, they are now 6-0. and They beat USC on Friday, 72-70. to They're up to 24th at Ken Palm. They started the season 48th. They're 19th in adjusted D, 31st in adjusted O. They've got wins over Iowa and USC. Nothing really of note other than that. But uh, Big 12, be aware of what's going on here. And uh, we're going to have to keep our eyes on Oklahoma. By the way, Ohio State 63, Bama 56, 10 minutes to go, Andy. That'll be the last update we get on that one. Well, folks, that's going to be it for that's going to wrap us up for today. That's the final update. But since Isaac said it, why don't we just go ahead and go watch the Ohio State? You're, you're all it's going to be over for the time you guys want to watch it. But let's just go watch it anyway. Right. Let's go replay that game, yeah. uh, folks. Uh, so much fun here. Thank you so much for making the show your first listen or your first watch of the day. Incredible feast week. But guess what, folks? There's some fantastic college basketball coming your way next week with that ACC SEC challenge. Some really fun other non-conference games as well. We'll be back five days a week next week talking to you not in a trailer anymore. So hopefully that'll be a little bit smoother on the eyes from a YouTube perspective. Uh, again, thank you so much for making the show your first listen. I uh, will we'll be back next week. And until next time, peace.